It sometimes seems that parents and teachers and counsellors and politicians and advertisers are all conspiring together to tell us how great we are. And apart from a miracle of God's grace, we will believe them. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I think that some of us can say, okay, I get that. I recognize the fact that I'm being bombarded in this way. But a lot of us who are parents may have the same tendency to then turn and do that to our kids. We tell them how cute they are, how smart they are. They can grow up to do absolutely anything. (laughs) It sounds like you're saying there might be a danger even in how we're talking to our kids. Yeah, well, the first thing to say is that affirmation is important. We are to encourage each other. The problem is that I think that an unbroken diet of affirmation ends up creating exactly the opposite of what we want in our kids, a sense of self-sufficiency, a sense that actually I end up being in the position of God, Hmm. um, which is, of course, the ultimate idolatry. And we're looking today at the first beatitude where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, you know, a constant diet of affirmation actually goes against the very first thing that Jesus speaks to us about as being blessed, which is I have an awareness of my own need. All right. So you're a grandparent now and I'm raising little kids. How then do we talk to those kids in such a way that we are telling them truth and not crushing them? Yeah, well, I think one of the ways of doing that is to do it in a personal way. Um, we're not speaking uh, to our children as if there was something that they needed that we did not. And so it's a great thing to be able as a parent or as a grandparent to start with yourself. Dad, granddad needs this. Granddad needs a savior. And to be able to communicate our own sense of need so that our children and indeed for that matter our grandchildren are going to gain something of what Jesus is speaking about here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who say, I need what I cannot find in myself and what I can only find in Christ. Well, today's message is entitled Cultivating Humility. So I hope that you'll open your Bible and join us in First Peter chapter 5. Here is Pastor Colin. We're looking together at the Beatitudes, these great pronouncements of blessing from the Son of God. We began last week, you may recall, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 with the statement of Jesus, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We saw that Christ calls us to recognize our poverty before God. You may have much to offer your family, your business, your sports team, your friends, but when you stand before God, you are in an entirely different position. What do we have that we did not receive? But we saw that in this poverty of spirit, there is also a surprising blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we saw this wonderful gift that there is a taste of heaven now for the humble because God has promised to dwell with them. Heaven comes to the humble before the humble are in heaven. And therefore, today, we're trying to take the second step in this journey and to ask the question, how then can we cultivate this kind of humility? 
Now, in the introduction uh, to the series, we noted that there is a progression in the Beatitudes. A number of folks have written saying that was a a fresh insight to them, Uh, but there clearly is a movement within the Beatitudes, and we pictured that as being like a series of rings. And there they are. There's humility and there's mourning and there's meekness and there's righteousness and mercy and purity and peace. And the rings at the end are really the ones that we often reach for. Pastor, I really would like to have purity in heart of heart, but how can I deal with all the stuff that messes me up? I really would like to be a person who can forgive, but what do I do about the wounds that make that so hard for me? I really would be, like to have a greater peace in my own soul. I'd like to be able to bring peace to other people. But what do I do about all of the turmoil that is inside of me? So, so we want to get after the rings at the end of the line, as it were. But these are the ones that often seem to, to be beyond us. We're saying, how can I get to purity? How can I get to being merciful? How can I get to a greater measure of peace within and uh, amongst others? And so often these things seem to be beyond us. And the analogy that we're using, therefore, is a very simple one. The Beatitudes are a series of rings. And the way that you get to the ones at the end is by swinging first from the ones that are at the beginning. You move to the next ring with the momentum that you gain uh, from the last. And um, taking this image of the, of the monkey swing as we settle that in our minds, momentum, of course, is the key. So the momentum that one gains from laying hold of the first ring clearly is, is critical. It's that that will take you to the second, and the momentum of the second will take you to the third, and so forth and so on. We're seeing here, then, a pattern of Christian growth and progress may also be described as a pattern for the rebuilding of a marriage, the restoration of a life. There's a whole counseling model right here in terms of what we're looking at in the scriptures, and and, and I want us, therefore, to learn it deeply, and that is why we're, we're moving through these Beatitudes with deliberate pace so that we ponder them and grasp them well. That is why grasping this first ring to be poor in spirit is so important because this is the gateway blessing that leads to all the others. There isn't another place to begin apart from this. You can't jump on the fourth ring without starting from the first and so forth. The way to purity and peace and forgiveness of others, it begins right here. And hence the important question, how do I get on, on this first ring? Poverty of spirit. Three things today. First, I want us um, just to ponder for a few moments the curse of pride, the sheer difficulty of pursuing uh, humility. Second, I want us to see the range of blessing uh, that comes from uh, grasping what Christ is calling us to hear. And then thirdly, some practical directions for uh, laying hold of the first ring, poverty of spirit. Let's begin here there, and I hope your Bible is open at 1 Peter in chapter 5. The curse of pride is stated here in verse 5, God opposes the proud. Isn't that a striking statement? And it's all the more striking, folks, when you remember that Peter is definitely writing to Christians. This is a letter to believers. It says so at the beginning. 
And he is telling us that pride blocks the blessing of God. If I give way to pride, God will stand against me. I will come under his discipline. God stands in the way of the proud. He opposes them, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, for every thinking person who believes this, the conclusion is obvious. The last thing in the world I want is for God to stand in my way. If God should oppose me, what hope is there for me? And so the conclusion that I have to draw is right there in verse 6. I want God to be for me, not to be against me. So what must I do? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now, this battle against pride really is a lifelong kind of a conflict. Um, Think about this. Humility, first beatitude, is the first grace that is given to a Christian. There's no way into experience of God except the one that begins here. It's the first grace to be given to a Christian. But while humility is the first grace to be given, pride is the last enemy to be subdued. Pride was the first great sin to come into the world. It will be the last to exit from it. And the battle against pride that all of us are engaged in throughout the course of our Christian lives is a hard one for multiple reasons. One is that humility, of course, goes against the grain of a self-affirming culture. Martin Lloyd-Jones, writing uh, half a century ago, and in the UK, of course, rather than the US, he describes something that's absolutely true of us still here today. He says this, here's the spirit of the age. He says, quote, it's express yourself, believe in yourself, realize the powers that are innate in yourself, and let the whole world see them and know them. That, he says, is the spirit of the age, and we recognize it. And folks, candidly, in a culture of affirmation, as robust as ours, it sometimes seems that parents and teachers and counselors and politicians and advertisers are all conspiring together to tell us how great we are. And apart from a miracle of God's grace, we will believe them. We will believe them. The teaching of Jesus is directly opposed to the creed of life that says, believe in yourself. You need to think about that because that's all around us. It's the air that we breathe. The teaching of Jesus is directly opposed to the creed that says, believe in yourself. What does Jesus say? He does not say, believe in yourself. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. That's what he says. It's directly countercultural. And so radically so that we have to do a a sort of double take to really think about it in order to to take this in. The person who is far from God will, 
will often be speaking like this and thinking like this. He or she will say, I'm up for this. I can do this. I, I, I can do this, you see. And the person who's close to God thinks and speaks in a different way. He or she will say something like this. The Lord is at my right hand. And because the Lord is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So, folks, we need to think about this deeply. And, you know, I'm a dad with having raised two boys. I've stood on the sideline of games and shouted, you can do it, you can do it, and all the rest of it. And I regularly say to my kids, I'm proud of you. And I also say, I thank God for you and many other things. But let's be very thoughtful, especially in the teachable moments of life. It is not a good reflection of faith in Jesus Christ for you as a father or for you as a mother or for you as a counselor or for you as a friend to be saying, you can do it. It is a reflection of discipleship to Jesus Christ to be saying something like this. The Lord is with you and he will not fail you. And in Christ, you can do all things. There's all the difference in the world. The one is godless. The one has put man in the place of God. The one has exalted the individual to the place of the divine. And the other reflects the humility of one who knows that his strength, her strength lies in the presence and the blessing of a sovereign God. But folks, that's so far from our culture, it, we really need to stop and, and take it in. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating Humility. A look at 1 Peter chapter 5 today. And it's part of our series, Momentum, How to Make Progress in Your Christian Life. By the way, if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org and you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, our website is openthebible.org. Let's get back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. Secondly, this battle against pride is really, really hard for this reason, that humility goes against the trajectory of, of all religion. Remember this, that religion works on the idea that you must live a life that is pleasing to God in order to win his favor. But realize that in this first beatitude, Jesus is saying precisely the opposite of everything that you'll hear in world religion. It's radically different. Jesus is telling us that the blessing of God belongs to those who know they cannot win his favor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who come before God and say, I haven't got it. There's precisely the opposite of everything that is said in world religion. Religion says, live a life that is pleasing to God, and then you will win his favor. Then you will be blessed. Every religion in the world, friend, offers some variation on that theme. The gospel says the only thing you can do is come empty-handed and receive the favor and the mercy and the grace of God so that you may then begin to live a life that is pleasing to him. It all starts from humility, not from achievement. So this is a hard battle because we're against all the winds of the culture. We're, we're against all the winds of all the religions of the world. No wonder Jesus was crucified. And then it's a hard and it's a lifelong battle because I wonder if you've noticed this. 
that the very blessing of God that comes to the humble becomes something that makes maintaining humility harder. Here's the irony. The poor in spirit experience the blessing of God. That's what Jesus said. But the very blessing of God that is experienced makes it difficult to remain in the place where you truly are poor in spirit. So the more successful you are, the easier it is to believe that you really are something and that the something really lies in you after all. So for example, if your children believe when the children of others who are your friends are in rebellion, if your marriage prospers when your friends is falling apart, If your business succeeds when others are in decline, if your ministry grows when others are failing, if these blessings should be given to you, it kind of gets into your mind that you must have done something right. Success of any sort, in any sphere, tends to make us think that we are something. And thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who convinces us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Because apart from Him, we would never know the blessing that belongs to the poor in spirit. So I'm suggesting to you that this is a hard battle, it is a lifelong battle, and it is no small thing to lay hold of the first ring. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Second, I want just to draw your attention uh, to this, the blessing of humility. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 here. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Now, last time we saw that the supreme blessing that that comes to the humble person is, of course, that God lives with them. Nothing can top that. But I want us to see today that with the presence of God in the life of a humble person, there are all kinds of other blessings that come with the presence of God in a person's life. Let me just uh, pick out four. Number one, growing in humility will help you to bear affliction. I draw attention to that because this is the point that Peter is making um, in this letter. If you look back to chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at a fiery trial when it comes on you. He says, there's trouble ahead. You're going to face real periods of difficulty. And so how are they to prepare for these periods of difficulty? Here's the answer. He says in chapter 5, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's almighty hand. Why? Because he gives grace to the humble. This will be how you will face trouble and how you will stand when you do. Job's wife was a proud woman. And when trouble came, she said, why don't you curse God and die? Job was a humble man, and when trouble came, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Humility 
will make all the difference in the world in the way that you face affliction when it comes. It will help you to stand. When the fiery trial comes, here's how you're going to stand, says Peter. Humble yourself under God's almighty hand, and in due time, he will lift you up. Second, and these are just very practical things touching every area of life, the realities of life for us here today. Growing in humility will nourish your love for others. There's someone here who is struggling in a marriage, in a relationship where there is real, real difficulty. Perhaps after many years, the quiet question is forming in your mind, do I still love him? Do I really love her? And the whole question of of love in its decline is before us, and the whole question of how love can be revived is before us. Now, what does the Scripture say to us about this? Well, you know 1 Corinthians 13 very well. Let's think about love. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. Love does not insist on its own way. It is pride that is self-seeking. It is pride that is easily provoked. Think of it this way, friends. Pride will be like a bucket of cold water poured on the fires of love. You get a higher opinion of yourself. You know what it's going to do to your marriage? It's going to pour water on all the flames of love that were there. It really is. It's a killer. Humility, in contrast, fans into flame the embers of a dying love. Humility will do that. Get on this first ring. This is where hope of recovery in an ailing marriage begins. Why is it ailing? Why has love been damped down? You can be sure that pride has a huge part in this. A huge part. Self-seeking, arrogant, irritable. All these characteristics, look through them and say, are these things in me? They're the killers of love. You come to the place and you say, do I really love him anymore? And the world says, you've got to think about yourself, you know. And Jesus says exactly the opposite. He says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also into the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What did he do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. What a powerful look at pride and humility with Pastor Colin today. You're listening to Open the Bible, and our message is called Cultivating Humility. It's part of a series called Momentum, where we're taking a look at the Beatitudes. And if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, you can come and listen online. Our website is OpenTheBible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program, but we want to send you a copy of Pastor Cullen's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. It's based on the series that we're listening to on the radio right now. But Colin, who is this book actually written for? Oh, well, this would be a book for everybody, because who doesn't want to be happy? Um, Jesus speaks about how to be blessed, how to have a happy life, how to be contented and how to find joy. I mean, who doesn't want that? But, you know, particularly in the Beatitudes that Jesus gives to us, he speaks to us about how we can find peace and joy, especially when we're struggling with sins that really 
bog us down. Hmm. And, you know, if you're struggling with something that you just feel you can't get over, well, the Beatitudes are for you because Jesus speaks here about how you can actually make progress in your Christian life. And, you know, for anyone, and this should be true of every Christian, for anyone who wants to grow in holiness, to be more like the Lord Jesus and to advance in the Christian life, the Beatitudes actually give us the way in which we can grow as Christian believers. That, to me, was the most exciting discovery about the Beatitudes when I studied them, and it's been a great blessing to me. It's a joy to share it in the radio program, and I'm so glad we have the opportunity of sharing it through the book. Well, we would love to send you a copy of the book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes, as you give a financial gift of any amount this month. You can find out more or give online when you come to openthebible.org or call us at 1-877-673-6365. That's 1-877-OPEN-365. Or again, our website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. If you grow in humility, you'll reap a whole cluster of other blessings. Find out what they are next time on Open the Bible.